Okay, welcome to the DC Yoga Podcast. My name is Chris Parkinson. I'm your host today. We're here with producer Molly at Heartcast Media Studios down in Washington, D.C., 1301 K Street. Our guests today are Sid McNary and Liz McNary. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I've got a little bio here about Sid, uh, and I'll read that off uh, to begin with. Uh, Sid is a warrior who lives fully in peace. As a previous football coach at Northern Illinois University with a major in movement and sports science from Purdue University and a master's degree in sports administration from Eastern Illinois University, Sid's path to helping others find their walk to healing and inspiring others was destined. Sid's yoga journey started with a meditation at eight years of age with coaches that taught him to meditate. Sid first began doing the physical practice of yoga to find a way to heal both physically and emotionally. As Sid developed his own yoga practice, he realized many health benefits, such as the disappearance of his asthma, which had plagued him for 30 years, as well as a full range of motion in his right ankle that was fused in 1995. Sid credits his parents with inspiring him to move forward and touch so many lives. Growing up with two successful parents and yogis in their own right, his mother and father's lifestyle practices instilled a foundation from which Sid could freely grow and become a masterful yogi. I can, I will, I must, was the mantra used in the McNary household. This later became and he has remained the basis of his studio's mantra. In 2016, Sid became a best-selling author with his second book, Yoga and Life Empowerment, Empowerment and Beyond, which was published in 2013. In 2017, Sid published his latest book, The Warrior Within, A Quest for Peace. September of 2017, Sid continued to venture out and spread his mission of peace throughout the world through the hashtag Peace Across America tour. Follow Sid in the tour on Instagram at AdSidMignary. Right on. Awesome, man. There's a lot there, man. Yeah, just a bit. It's a full just life so far. I'd, I'd say, yeah, uh, it has been for sure. You know, I'd, I uh, grew up in, a, in an environment where uh, being African-American and Native American, you, weren't al- you, you really weren't allowed to just be average. Because if, if you were average, it meant you weren't going to get a shot. Uh, so knowing that, it was kind of instilled on us that I can, I will, I must. Anything you think of, you can go do it, and you must go do it. And so, yeah, so anytime I had, you know, those thoughts, uh, whether it was coaching football, and then when I'm coaching football, and people started uh, gravitating to yoga, I was like, all right, I've done, I've got the accolades in football, why wouldn't I transition and go do this too? And, uh, and, And that's happened over and over to where the writing of writing the book, uh, the doing music, all those different things have come forward from that for sure. That's not a, I mean, so this was back in a day when like it wasn't a natural transition from football to yoga. Oh no. Tell us a little about how that happened. Well, it, uh, it literally happened from wanting to, and this was like in the mid eighties, right? Like this is in the eighties, nineties. Well, it was, uh, the nineties when I started doing yoga Yeah, and then leaving coaching was, uh, in the early 2000 so 2004 is when i actually left and and there weren't you know in baltimore there's probably 30 or so yoga studios now and there were three of us you know so it was totally totally different back then to make that transition and and coaches at that time were like what are you doing you're gonna you're gonna leave your 12 car garage and and your house with the pool and all those different things to go teach yoga no one even knows what yoga is. And fortunately, enough of my friends w- were like, hey, man, whatever you choose to do, you're going to be successful. You just can never quit. So I never had a plan B. So that that helped. 
Yeah, there's nothing like uh, like no plan B for motivation, right? For sure, for sure. Um, and at the time, uh, so you started doing meditation real early on in life. Yeah, that was and that was cultivated in your your home as growing up. What was that like? Well, you grew up you grew up in the South, right? So well, I started. Uh, my parents. I was born in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, yeah. and then we kind of bounced around until we landed here in D.C. Uh, in Northwest, and then my parents moved out to Montgomery County, and and so I went, most of my formative years were here in Montgomery County. Uh, and then, so that was, it was definitely different to grow up in a household where my dad had, had ment- mentally been trained to be a priest. And mm-hmm. my mom was uh, trained to, to become one of the heads of the evangelist churches in Memphis. And, and so the spirituality was always part of my environment uh, growing up and, and so it was easy for me to take that on. But then looking back, and I, I can remember my parents have this picture for a science thing that my dad got an award for, and there's, there's Shiva on the, on, the, on the science award, and, and then there's Buddha on other things, and there's all these different things. And at the time when I finally came into yoga, uh, having been raised Catholic, mm-hmm. uh, they I remember my parents kind of being, or at least my dad, for sure, when I was cutting his hair one time, he was like, so explain to me, do you believe in Jesus? You know, <laughs> And I was like, heck yeah. Like, I definitely, I see him as as the greatest yogi ever. Yeah, right? Amen. And uh, and so for me, that was easy to to see. And I never had the thought that I couldn't be in that path. You know, not that I was Jesus or thought that I needed to be Jesus, but why wouldn't I shoot for the examples that he had on earth? And and so that that really fueled my life uh, going forward, just coming from parents like that, for sure. Yeah, isn't that one of the cool things about yoga that uh, you can you can definitely believe in, in any God you want and any person you want? And it's the it's the mindset that, you know, those great people are have always shared. You know, yeah. that, that passes down through generation to generation. That's that's the tradition of yoga, you know? Yeah, for sure. It, it's um, that actually because I had I had witnessed enough in the church uh, that caused me to feel like I wanted to walk away from the church. And uh, through yoga, I can remember at the time my first teacher that I trained under was Rodney Yee and mm-hmm. and he was doing all these tricks and. And he was allowing questions to be asked and things like that. And and I threw out a question about leg strength. And I was like, God, he just knocked that out of the park as he goes up on his hands and does all this stuff. And and was like, so can your football players do that? And I was like, no. And he's like, well, then they need yoga because they need to be functional. So for the, the duration of that training, I was like, I'm going to find the question, you know, that that he doesn't that it will rock him and lift me so I can understand. And it, it didn't rock him because he, he was steady in his answer. But what he said was, because uh, I came to this question was, and at the time it was really bothering me because I was like, all right, if there was someone like Jesus on earth that could turn apples into oranges, that could feed people with just a couple loaves of bread and multiply fish and do all this stuff, is it really possible for man to do that? And he didn't hesitate. And it was like everybody ignored the question 
because it was coming from the football coach. You know, at that time, it was like, what does a football coach know? And he paused, and then he answered the question. He was like, so I've seen it. People turn apples into oranges. I've seen people walk on water. I've, and he, he just rattled this stuff off, and it was, and no one was listening. It was just like I'm looking at you right now. It was like no one else was in the room. And, uh, and so, and then he said, but that's not it. And he said, and so I'm going to charge you with this. You have the power to do it all. And what Jesus did that made him different was he didn't stay in the mountain when he did it. He came down and he walked with men and he walked through the journey. And so that's, that's set with me. I mean, it still sits with me. I mm-hmm. just talking about, it, I can feel feelings and emotions coming with that. Cause it is, it was such a powerful moment for me for, for him to stand up and say, you can do it. And yeah. actually, and then after I was like, all right, you got all these people following you around, helping you out. And he's like, you're not allowed to, the world needs you to be you. So I'm going to challenge you to go out and be yourself fully and not follow me around. And then when I studied with Baron, he said the same thing. You're not going to be someone that will follow me around. You're going to have to go out and do it because you're not that type of person. And mm-hmm. uh, and so both everybody that's ever been in my life, my parents included, on up through my grandmother and everybody, has always challenged me and helped pull me forward to be myself. So that I appreciate everybody that ever just had those words of encouragement to go mm-hmm. to reach for that it's pretty cool too you've been uh, you know when you're around yoga long enough uh you realize how actual how actually it's pretty simple to turn apples into oranges but like doing the hard work of meditation and doing the hard work of changing within like that's that's the hard part yeah it's definitely more challenging right. and and takes longer to do or as i like to say um at the beginning of class i don't do you start off the in class asking your students to set an intention for class at all Mm -hmm. you do yes yeah i do the same thing and one of the things i frequently like to say is um, an intention could be something as simple as world peace or as complicated as a relationship with your loved one right (laughs) that's awesome um, awesome. Yeah, it's always the it's always the the stuff that's that you know we you know we talk about the like yoga sutras for example and they talk about the ability to lift elephants and stuff like that but it's like that's sort of beside the point right you know, that's all well and good but you well, know when are you gonna how often are you gonna need to lift elephants exactly <laughs> <laughs> um, that's really cool so uh, let's bring in Liz when did you when did you start practicing was that something from early childhood too or was it something you found later on in life. Yeah, so I had a formal yoga practice. I, I began about, about 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, looking back, I can see that my practice of yoga started much earlier in my life. I was a gymnast growing up. So around four years old, I started gymnastics. And I, I always look back and think to when we were training, learning to do the splits and trying to increase our flexibility. As a really young, tiny girl, I would have a grown man come and sit on my back Ugh. as we're in what I now know as frog pose. So like your legs stretched out. And so having this grown adult sit on my small framed body as a little four-year-old was like, okay, I've got to train my mind to withstand what my body is going through. And so as I started to learn practice of yoga as an adult, I look back and think that my practice of yoga really began at that point in time, just training my mind to um, access peace and to maintain that within no matter what was going on 
outside of me. So I didn't have that all throughout my childhood. I didn't really intellect that as a, a young girl. But um, around 2011, I first started my yoga practice with Sid. And uh, I went to the mat for flexibility of the body. But what I found was a flexibility of the mind and the opportunity to really establish peace in my life. Yeah. So how long did how long did you do gymnastics for? How long did that last? Uh, I continued. Are you still doing it? No. Oh, okay. my gosh. <laughs> it's funny because I always had, as a, a little kid, I had a dream that I was going to go to the Olympics, of course, and I was going to be, um, I was going to go to Towson Gymnastics, mm-hmm. to Towson University to be a gymnast on their, on their team. And so uh, Sid had ended up working with the gymnasts there. And I always thought that was really cool because that was like a dream of mine as a little kid. And I, of course, I didn't have my timeline right, so I figured I would go to the, the Olympics after I graduated college. But a gymnast career is pretty young, so I, I stopped when I was just before middle school, so about twelve. Mm-hmm. We would we would practice for like three hours every day of the week, so it was pretty time consuming and really physically demanding. So it was kind of at that point that I had to say, do I want to commit my whole life to this or? do I want to open up my life for something else? So I made the choice around 12 to stop. That's a heavy, that's a heavy choice for a 12 year old. Yeah, it was. Right. I remember that was like the first time I really had to make a tough choice in life. Um, did you, uh, did you play any sports in high school? Did you do, did you continue doing any kind of athletics or did you? Yeah, I played basketball. Um, that was my, my major sport of choice, Mm -hmm. um, through, through high school and I picked up lacrosse at that time too. And then you found like you found it and did so when you practice yoga now, do you find mm-hmm. like your body sort of clicks back into certain poses like splits or like does that <laughs> muscle memory from when you were a kid just sort of like click in at sometimes? Yeah, sometimes it's funny that you say that. When I'll have a, an emotion come up or uh, if I'm really focused into something with work or at my desk with a task, sometimes I will I'll just kind of need to jump up and and do something like maybe it's a headstand flip my world upside (laughs) down and like get some energy flowing and feel like I I can come back to life a little bit to recenter and get back to the focus of the task at hand Mm -hmm. uh so yeah I would say so yeah um I used to I used to be a lawyer and uh sometimes uh my last job uh at the law firm uh I was working in a big uh open space doing document review which is just a fancy term for reading people's emails <laughs> and we had this it was great because the the ceiling was it came down in parts just low enough so that i could practice handstands so i could just go up with my hands and i could reach that little tip of the ceiling with my toes so like you know i would just take breaks and just do handstands with putting mm-hmm. my toes up there i remember people looking at me like you're just fucking weird <laughs> <laughs> like you're the weird one, man, eating Doritos all day and like not doing a damn thing. All right. Um, so, uh, so you, you mentioned Baron Sid. When mm-hmm. did you start? When you start working with him? Uh, let's see. It was 2006. 2006, and and uh, and what happened was I was my last recruiting trip. I guess it was like 2005, actually. Uh, my last recruiting trip was to Pittsburgh, and. It was back when Sean Connolly and, and Karen had one yoga studio. I mean, now they've got several yoga studios and it's totally different makeup. Uh, 
but I went to this yoga studio and and at the end of class she was singing a Krishna Das song and it hit me because it, it, I swore it was like there were angels in the room singing and Karen I don't even know if she considers herself having a good voice never even asked her uh, and so I, I was supposed to go out recruiting right after this. You know, I can say this because I'm out of football now. Uh, <laughs> and so I went to Barnes and Nobles and I, and I tried to find this CD. Right, I had no clue. All I knew is she said it was Krishna Das, and f- to me that was like, oh well, he probably has one. I don't know who Krishna Das is, right? So I go and I go buy the CD, and it says Greatest Hits. So I figure it's got to be on there. It was such a great song. Excuse me. So I come back and I uh, end up in the hotel room and and I'm playing God is Real. And I couldn't stop playing it. I played it so long that I missed the whole day's worth of recruiting. Wow. Because it and I just had it on repeat and I was crying and I was laughing and it it kept moving in my body. And uh, and so then when I came home uh, at the time I was. uh in another relationship and I said hey we you need to come up to Pittsburgh I know I'm thinking about leaving coaching and and opening this yoga studio doing that kind of thing and so you need to come check out this studio this lady she's uh she teaches a lot like I do because I had just made up my own sequence and and uh so we took a trip up there and she said uh so my teacher Baron Baptiste will be in D.C. Patty Ivy over at Down Dog Yoga, mm-hmm. she uh, had brought Baron in town. And I was like, oh, so we registered to go, why not go see this guy that can pull at that time? It was like 350 people in the room. So it was like, yeah, if I want to take my football energy and put it in a yoga room, it's got to be with 350 people, right? So we go to the, uh, to the to his show over, or it was pretty much like a show, uh, over at uh, George, I guess it was at George Mason University, uh, yeah, GW, and or George Washington, and so we go to the sh- to the class and and he starts talking about his football time with the Eagles, yeah. and at some point he asked people for questions, and this young lady stood up and and the question he asked was, what did you think of the practice, and so being the football coach and me, I was like. I gave it everything I had that so because that's that was just how you do it in football. You you take control of how you practice. Mm-hmm. And uh, and she stood up and she said that practice was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and so Baron and I made eye contact and he's and he goes, does anyone have a comment? And I I'm pretty sure he was because I do it now. Like you can read the room. You know who you want to call on. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to get into the arguments and this, that, and the other. So he calls on me, and I was good at arguing that back then. So I stood up, and I was like, if you didn't have a good practice, it's your fault, this, that, and the other. Reddit a riot at. <laughs> so, so instantly, Baron and I had that connection of football, him talking about the Eagles, me uh, moving all these players into the pros and all that stuff. So it was an easy transition to saying, okay, this is a guy I can go and pick up information from and learn from for a while. And, and uh, so, yeah, and then from there, I uh, took a trip over to Hawaii to study with him and then went to Montana and then to Maya Tulum. And, and, uh, and then and I, 
and I even went and assisted him a couple times to, uh, and it, and it was he was the same way he was, as Rodney. He said, "Hey, you go do what you do," and so it was it was great because it really, you know, Baron teaches his set sequence. Mm-hmm. And at one point, uh, when I was training with him, he said, "Why why do you hold yourself back?" And for me, it was like respect, obviously. Like you call this, I do this. I'm not worried about stepping outside of that but he's like don't hold yourself back anymore so instantly i pop up in a handstand i'm doing all this stuff and and then it was like okay here's the birth of of this sequence that i teach so and do you have you have a set sequence as well yeah uh from yoga and life empowerment in the in the in the book and we call it the nahi sequence it's part of my native american name which is nahi adonade nuatohi adu and which means he who brings peace. And so the sequence for me is really giving someone the seek, the freedom to move well beyond, which he gave me in that moment of take yourself, go, why are you holding back? And so whether it's challenging yourself to go further or holding back, I feel that the sequence that we have right now uh, puts, gives someone that, that level of freedom to, to go from down dog and just take a handstand, even if I haven't called it. Uh, in those moments, especially in the warm up, and and I like to look at, especially through the power series of of the practice, uh, or the warrior series as we call it, that you can. It's like playing baseball. You can get on first base, you're in the game. Get on second, you're still in the game. Third, fourth, home run, whatever, you're still in the game. So challenge yourself to be in the game at your level, and and then being okay, you know, and. For me, it, as a teacher, giving that level of freedom challenged me to let go of control too in the room. You know, you don't you don't have to do it the way I say. Uh, so that's that's really, I've the teachers that have most impacted me through my life are the people that have let me go be me. Yeah, that's kind of that's always the, the best teachers do that, right? Yeah, I feel like that, but I'm sure there's some great teachers that that say this is the way you do it and they challenge you so much to do it that way that eventually you break off anyway you know and i've witnessed a lot of those relationships break off in turmoil uh because of that that natural law and silent science of force meets resistance you know you force someone to do something at some point they're going to resist and pull away Yeah. yeah um do you weave any other um uh, besides, uh, do you weave anything from Native American tradition into your oh, yeah. practices? Yeah, yeah, uh, into my practices, into my life. Uh, in the book, the six-week program are a lot of Native American teachings, and and probably the biggest teaching that I that I use constantly is the reflections. You know, in when we move through four vision quests, vision quests, you sit out on the mountains and study yourself on the fourth vision quest you move into the south direction and it's about the reflection of yourself through others is walking the red road and and really seeing your energy and how that shows up in others because it always is you know especially if it bothers you so uh you know if someone has a face a facial expression where they're looking pissed off at something that i'm doing or challenging it's like okay are you okay looking at the reflection? Because somewhere inside of yourself is when there's 
a uh, sense of emotional distress somewhere inside of yourself you are looking at that from those eyes it's not about it's never about the other person you know and so i work with that so no matter i mean i've i've taught classes just based on the four directions uh you know like starting in the east moving to the south moving to the west and then to the north and and now how can you take that off the map into your life yeah that's really cool that's really cool um, we were talking a little bit before the show about, uh, about teaching nowadays. And, uh, you guys mentioned that you taught a class earlier this morning together. Liz, tell us, tell us a little bit about that. How does that work? Yeah. So this morning we had, uh, an event that Sid is called the sacred healing circle. And it's an event where people can come for healing of any type. Um, so they, they come, we meditate and really set the intention towards a space for healing. So Sid walks around, he leads the meditation, and he guides them through their healing that they they came for in an intuitive sort of way. And he had talked about earlier how a, a lot of what I do is holding the space. So especially when it comes to healing, I think sometimes we get into the mindset that we need to do Mm, yeah. And so my role in in what we did this morning is to hold the space. So to be there to sit to to be an example of stillness mm-hmm. of silence and to hold space in that way to help people see that you don't always need to do something to heal. In fact, sometimes what you really need to do is to just be, to listen to your body, to listen to the emotion comes up and the reflection, as Sid was just saying, and, and really understand what's coming up for you to let it move on so that it doesn't have to keep coming back. Yeah, we, like, I mean, like everybody who does yoga at one time or another goes through that. It's, it's uh, I'm not seeing the results I want because I'm not working hard enough. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe what you're doing, in fact, is you're, you're sort of standing in the way of yourself. You're working too hard. Right. And you're not working efficiently enough. Or, in this case, not letting yourself just be. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, did that have any asana practice this morning, or was it just a, was it just like a guided meditation? It was all meditation. It was all meditation? Uh, yeah, for sure. It's uh, an hour and a half of meditation and uh, inviting in just that space. The space, you know... Really, any time that we become distressed in our body, dis-ease, disease, mm-hmm. right? Any time that we move out of that, that space of peace is where the potential of anything comes up. Now, if I can go backwards and get back to that alignment to the natural state, anything can be erased. And so that's that's what we do. You know, and Liz used the word heal, but... Really what I do is help people stay in that space. And when we learn to stay in that space, no matter what's coming, you know, it can be a, uh, a fire happens. We have a choice to take on the stress that eventually could lead to a bigger stress later on, or we can stay at peace and move through the flow of what, what's there. And so that's, that's it, you know, that, I've been very fortunate to have many ailments. You know, I went blind at 15 for three days. And I just held literally, fortunately, I wasn't, didn't have enough knowledge of that to freak out. 
you know, because mm -hmm. if I had freaked out, I probably could have programmed to keep that. But because when I finally got on the phone with my dad and he was like, do you need me to fly out to England? And I said, no, it'll be all right. And that was it. And I held that. You know, I never, they brought me food. They let me sit on the couch. I listened to TV <laughs> and listened to people laugh. And it, for whatever reason, it never bothered me. And it, and it eventually came back. And I was able to continue my time of playing soccer over there. Uh, yeah, you said uh, fortunate enough to have many injuries. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my injuries that I've had uh, have caused me to relook and, and access what got me there in the first place. You know, that's that's what yoga really did for me is when it started to bring me back to that balanced place, uh, it allowed me to regain my meditation practice that I had kind of lost. It allowed me to feel at peace with my family. It allowed me to release asthma, which I can remember the day I got asthma. You know, I can remember sitting... I had done something really interesting as a kid. I threw a rock at another kid, a big, more like a boulder. Sounds like pretty standard kid stuff. <laughs> yeah, but it landed in the middle of my dad's new car. So again, pretty standard, I guess. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, and he loved that car so much he didn't drive it to work. You know, he took my mom's car that day, and and so when she, when I went in and I had to tell her what happened, she was like, "I don't even know what to do. Like, your dad could actually lose it." run <laughs> far away yeah so i sat in the corner and as she was unpacking boxes the dust and my stress mixed and i can remember getting choked up and uh and so that bronchitis led to asthma yeah you know and i held that stress of and the crazy thing was my dad was so enamored and in awe of what the heck happened I didn't even get in trouble, but I took it on and took on asthma, you know? And so then I had to learn 30 years later, how do I hold peace enough for myself to not need an inhaler to be able to go and keep the peace within? Cause I, I still at this point in time with me saying I don't have asthma, there are times that my breath gets tight, mm -hmm. you know, especially when I was coaching football, it was easy to keep asthma then. Uh, but it's time that it gets tight when I get uh, the adrenaline going or, or that feeling of anger shows up or distress. And, and then I have to remember, how do I, how do I maintain this for myself? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How, um, I think it just popped in my head. Do you miss, do you miss football? You know, I just got asked that the other day <laughs> by this basketball coach. Cause, cause I played football too when I was younger and like, I mean, I miss football. Do you? I miss, I miss putting on the pads and helmet and hitting people. I'm sorry. There's just something like savage and like <laughs> elemental about that. that right, right. That, that really still appeals to me, even though I know it's like the, probably the worst thing to do. Well, I mean, I boxed. I played football. I played soccer. I did all that stuff, right? So uh, what I miss, and I'm fortunate I go and, and I work with a lot of basketball teams for whatever reason, basketballs. Uh, a lot of basketball coaches have linked into, I mean, LeBron does basketball so in, or does yoga, so anybody can, right? Uh, even though Tom Brady does it, they don't really talk about it, so it's not as necessarily in the forefront of people's minds. So I work with a lot of basketball players, and I'm very fortunate that I make an instant connection and 
and then I have an opportunity to motivate them in a different way that that maybe the coach doesn't have time to say or whatever and the coaches trust me to do that so I get that that feed because that's really what I loved about coaching football was the Friday night before the game and the coaches would leave and leave the whole team with me when I was at Morgan and say all right Sid you got him it's Friday night get him right and I, I mean I'm amped right now <laughs> thinking about what that's like so I do miss those and yeah. then and then I'm like all right what if I went back well I'd have to spend countless hours studying film oh god I'm not doing all that other so then no I'm way. like no nah, I'm good <laughs> yeah. you know now I I'm very like I said I'm very fortunate my son went and played at Western Michigan University for one of my players uh so I got to watch that for a year because he wanted to come back and teach yoga and and now PJ is the head coach at Minnesota. So I I get a lot of it still out of kind of vicariously through the people that I coached and, and the things that they're doing. And, and then I can reach out and talk a little football at any point in time and say, okay, that was enough. It's time to go, go yeah. on the plane. <laughs> Liz, you miss gymnastics? I miss sports. I yeah. like the competition. You know, I find that in other ways now today, especially when I first started my yoga practice, it was like, oh, okay, this person can do that. I'm going to find a way to do that too on my mat. And I found the competition more so with myself once I stopped playing sports. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there is something about the competition and uh, the unity of a team coming together, working towards a common goal, and then you know, hopefully getting to that point of celebration and accomplishment at the end of a season. Now, how do you She's see? She's one of the most competitive people I know, especially like if we're playing a board game or something <laughs> like that. And it's like, Liz, I've been playing chess since I was six. You're not going to win. And if she gets close, she's like, I knew I was going to. No, you weren't going to get it. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, we don't go too far down that hole. <laughs> Well, that's so how do you how do you because um, this is one of the interesting things that I um, think about from time to time is how do you think about that competition with yourself now? Mm -hmm. Because it seems to me it can be extremely beneficial in some cases and totally detrimental in other mm -hmm. cases. Yeah, that's one of the most recent lessons I've learned on my mat because I was in a really physical space of challenge and then my body started to talk to me in a way that was requesting that I stop challenging myself, you know, I was getting injured and certain parts of my body were starting to scream a bit. And that's, that's when the deeper part of, of the yoga practice, I think shows up in terms of the self study to say, okay, what is the real challenge here? And at that point for me, the, the bigger challenge was letting go of the need for it to be a physical accomplishment and yeah. to dive deeper into a, a state of love for myself, appreciation for my body, and not needing to do so much to feel accomplished. Yeah, there's uh, yeah the journey instead of just the pose, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, when did you think you were going to start teaching this yoga stuff? I didn't think I was going to start teaching this yoga stuff. I, I loved the practice. I loved being a student and yeah. I still love being a student. I, I feel that I'm a student above all else. And it was the experience of learning that, that led me to want to teach because I wanted more people to be able to feel 
as good as I felt physically and mentally. And um, when uh, did you do your first uh, training with uh, with Sid? Mm-hmm. You did. I did. Tell us about that. Sid, you don't get to talk for like the next <laughs> minute, the, the next thirty <laughs> seconds or so. <laughs> yeah. So Sid had talked to me a little bit about teacher training. And, uh, well, actually, before I even did the training, I, I did a, a retreat with him in Nicaragua, and it was based on one of his books. Um, it's Yoga and Life Empowerment, and it's a six-week self-study. So we did that in one week. And I remember preparing for that trip. I thought, oh, this is going to be such a nice, relaxing vacation. And I <laughs> needed a vacation after it. <laughs> it was really difficult work. It was work on the self. And it wasn't long after um, I had gone through some really difficult challenges in my life. Um, one of the major ones was the passing of my father. And I thought that I had dealt with that pretty well. And during the retreat, a lot of stuff came up for me that I wasn't really even aware of. And so that's what I say when it was hard. It was just like, okay, there's more there for me to work through. And so when I came back, I felt like it was it was really a big shift for me in my life. And that's when I wanted to help people kind of clear out those cobwebs for themselves of what they might have in their mind. And that's when I, I decided to do the teacher training really to continue my studies Mm -hmm. and also to start thinking that maybe this is something I'll share with other people. So the yoga training was amazing. I mean, it was more self-study. It was getting in front of people and teaching. And I'll always remember that first time standing up, it was just this huge battle with myself of I can't do this and that was like a momentum shift for me like I remember Sid being like yes you can like get up and do it and I was like this guy's crazy like I was so angry at him but of course it wasn't him it was like this experience that was going on for me of just this like an interior interior battle of like no like get up go and just push yourself to get to the next level it was so freeing and I don't even know what I said like now that I know the names of postures I stood up there and definitely said something that is not a posture at all (laughs) (laughs) and it was um it was just one of those moments that always stands out but it was so freeing and uh the journey continues really you know being a student and being a teacher just it's one and the same and keeps going on and are you teaching classes, radio classes a week, like every week? I'm teaching at Down Dog Yoga yeah. um, on Sunday mornings, 11 o'clock. Here in D.C.? Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yep. The Bar- their Bethesda location. I, we both are. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Well, I have to make it up there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, and then, so both of you are teaching at Down Dog and Bethesda. Yeah. Um, I teach at 9, and then she teaches at 11. On, on Sundays? Sunday. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, and did you ever, uh, how do you... You started to, you started doing yoga in Baltimore, mm-hmm. right, Liz? Is there any? I mean, in your mind, is there is there uh, a difference between the types of yoga that they teach in Baltimore and the types of yoga they teach in DC? Is there the types of teachers they have or the class style that they have? Well, I actually started doing yoga at college. I went uh. to Salisbury University, and I don't really claim that as my start because now I know something so different. So when you ask that question, it leads me just to f- think back of the different styles. There's so many different styles. Yeah. I feel like now when I look back to when I started, I was stretching. Um, my body was working, but I didn't really have what I have now through my practice of yoga. So 
when I think of the styles, I feel like Sid has his own style of what he teaches. He talks about the Nahi flow from his book. It's the physical, but it's the energy that he brings. It's this balance of power and peace that I've never really experienced anywhere with any other style before. Mm -hmm. So I can't really speak to all the other styles. I just know that when I came and took that first class, I knew that that's, that was what worked for me. Mm -hmm. That was kind of the end of the search. I just, I didn't need anything else. I love that. Yeah. Um, you, and then you guys also do, so you have a couple of six weeks programs. You, ch you mentioned a little bit about it earlier, Liz. Um, and, uh, tell us a little bit more about that. Um, designed for beginner students, designed for anybody. It um, really is. It's designed in so many different ways. A beginner yoga student, advanced yoga student, uh, and all, everything in between, even a non-yogi. Uh, someone that doesn't even want to get on the mat can go through that six-week program because of the self-study and the makeup of that and the the six weeks of meditation that goes with all of that so it it's a there are there are a lot of people that get started and the first time they do it they may make it to like week five and then or four and and then they're like, oh, I'm overwhelmed, and, and kind of tailor off towards the end. And they show up at the end, and they're like, oh, I really wish I had gone the whole route. And So then they come back. I've had people that have done it for 12 straight years. You know, it, everybody's looking for something to restart themselves at the new year. So we see a lot of people come back every year because mm -hmm. uh, we started, like, January 21st or something like that. And... So it, it really is geared for everyone. We also do uh, 40 Days to Peace, which is a strictly meditation program. Uh, so that's almost six weeks. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's, to me, a solid yoga practice is something you dedicate yourself to. It's discipline. And if you don't, if you don't at least from my athletic background, and if you're not reaching for discipline, you're not doing it anyway. And so that's yeah, what that does. I, uh, I, I'm almost constantly amazed by, uh, and it's not every yogi, but a lot of yogis I, I kind of see is, um, they think yoga is sort of like drifting through this world of like bliss. And that, and a lot of people don't realize that yoga is, is discipline. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of yoga is discipline. Mm -hmm. Like training your mind is discipline. I mean, that's what we're talking about when we talk about, you know, um, yoga, chitta, vritta, narodaha. I mean, stilling the movement of your mind, that's discipline. That's not like some like wavy, you know, hippie like idea, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's, it's not, you mm -hmm. know? Um, uh, and I take it also like nutrition is a part of this as well. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that and how like that's developed. Uh, so when I, when I think of nutrition, I think of an ebb and flow that I've gone through with sports out of sports with uh wanting to live in a hemza and you know peace and mm -hmm. and so at, at one point i remember in 2006 i had a meditation and in the meditation i saw cattle walking and then they stood up and turned into humans and walked into a gas chamber that was the last time i ate, ate beef i can't yes that's a pretty startling <laughs> vision yes so so 
Uh, and then I had another different meditation with with uh, pigs and and hogs and and that whole deal. So that that began to shift me towards being a vegetarian. So at one point in two, at the end of 2016, I spent 10 days in bed. I uh, couldn't move, could barely. I couldn't use my abdominal muscles. I couldn't use my arm muscles. Anything. They all were. They were all going through atrophy and, and like disappearing and then come back like a couple days later. And it began, so then I, that was where my body re, truly rebirthed. I mean, I had to go find someone to help me uh, activate my mind to, to walk again. And and I don't wish that on my worst enemy. It was, it was a whole nother level. And then when I began, when I came back, what happened was with this, this energy that I move in a room to help someone uh, get better, be better, stay better, began to eat me. I didn't realize that's that energy, at least as it's moving through me, eats my body. Yeah. So I do you feel I, like it was you were taking the you were taking the energy of others upon yourself? Is yeah, like very you know, much. yeah, yeah. And so, but it would literally eat my muscles, and. And I would, if I did like a week long teacher training, I'd have to spend a week in bed recovering. Yeah. And then, uh, so I went on this quest to find a teacher that could literally help me so that I could continue that work. And when I found this guy, Rob Worgen, and he, we went through different things. And then he's like, I've never seen anybody that has the ability to do what I do. And, and he said, and so, I'm willing to be your teacher. And we went, Liz and I happened to be in California. He shows up in California. We were supposed to go to Bali. He was supposed to go to Costa Rica. We all end up in California. We go see him, and that's the moment that he says, I'll be your teacher. And we go out We go out to dinner, and where does he take us? This restaurant called Meat, M-E-A-T, <laughs> in Santa Monica. And he's like, so, all right, here you are. And he and his assistant ordered these huge steaks. Liz and I ordered these big pieces of Chilean sea bass because that's pretty much all they had. And we had some vegetables to go with that. And, and, uh, and, and I looked at this, this steak and I was like, in my head, I was like, God, that actually doesn't look too bad, right? <laughs> and he goes, hey, sit, have some. And I was like, Nah, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I'm still in that space of no. I've seen those guys walk into the gas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and he says, "All right, if I'm gonna be your teacher, I'm asking you to eat it." And I was like, "Man, I've bucked a lot of teachers in my life. I'm not gonna buck this one because this is for me. This is the step for me to go into a place I didn't even had no idea of going into." So I said, "All right, I ate it." chewed it kept chewing because i was like i want this to digest in my mouth not my body yeah so that i can avoid feeling any type of way and uh and then i i couldn't take my eyes off it he's like sit have some more and i was like no nah, i'm good he's like you should have some more and i was like fine so then next thing you know i'm i'm eating it i've eaten it every day since yeah like i went years 12 years without eating any beef beef and then all of a sudden now i'm eating it every day since because it i've leaned out my body's reacted different and so i have no uh 
preconceived idea that someone has to eat a certain way because it's nutrition and it's your nutrition and it changes. I can't, yeah, I can't dictate. At least I couldn't dictate it for myself. So the angry vegans of the world that are hearing this, I apologize for your anger, but it's not mine. And, uh, and so when I work with people, when they come to training, you know, I've never seen anyone prescribe for someone to, Hey, go, go drink a, uh, a fifth of whiskey to get rid of your cancer. So I'm not, uh, that's the one thing I would say that, that not that I pound the table about cause plenty of my friends drink, uh, but, and at the same time, I will stand and say, ah, that's not something you have to have in your life. Mm-hmm. You choose it. That's fine. That's you. And you make me want to make a different choice, especially if you're going through something, you know, people that are going like, and I was going through those heavy feelings that, uh, if I, if I use the Western medical system, they probably could have diagnosed me with cancer at some point in time. I just don't. <laughs> right. And so uh, I do believe that when you're going through something of that magnitude, a full plant-based diet will restart your body. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when it comes to nutrition, for me especially, it's been uh, put something in, take it out, see where I am. And, and I challenge people to do that for themselves, you know. Okay, so you're lethargic. Uh, well, what are you putting in your body? Yeah. You know, is it something you still need or is it something you could pull out and jumpstart your body? And that doesn't mean it may never come back in. I cannot do, uh, at this point in time, there's no way I can eat shellfish. It's so toxic that when I put it in my body, my body completely shuts down. We were, after we met, with Rob, we were in the elevator and I was, and he was like, you need to tell people you do the, that you can do what you do with them. And magically as we're coming back in the hotel, there's this lady who's in a wheelchair. So I was like, man, this is about some junk. I'm about to tell this stranger now that I can help her. And I don't even know her just so that I can begin to birth the energy in me of, of proclaiming this to the universe. Right. So we're talking in the elevator, and I had just had this small bout in my body, this tight feeling from eating uh, calamari. And mm-hmm. and I said to her, so uh, what happened? Why are you in the wheelchair? And she said, 30 years ago, I ate some seafood <laughs> that, <laughs> that literally paralyzed her. Yeah. And she hasn't been up since. And long story short uh that that right then and there was like oh no i thought i was about to help this lady but she just healed me mm-hmm. so i don't touch seafood that, yeah you know and i love seafood i'm from baton rouge it's like everything we do <laughs> isn't it though <laughs> yeah um so it sounds to me like a lot of what you guys are teaching is uh sort of what i like to call um you're there is no guru you're the guru you learn from your own experience Yes. That kind of sum it up. Yeah, for sure. What um what other uh inspirations uh would you tell listeners to go for? Like books or websites or podcasts or um can be can be anything. Liz, you wanna answer first? Oh well I immediately thought of the movies because oh, yeah. Sid is such a movie buff. Like 
there's a movie out, we got to go see it. And Sid always likes to study the movie. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we go to watch it, but he's watching for a deeper, deeper meaning, deeper lesson to see how does it align for him in his life. So when you ask that question, I smile because I just think of how often we go to the movies and, um, and what we get out of the movies that we see. Yeah. What was, uh, what's, what's one of your favorites that you guys have seen together? Hmm. I might have to think about that. Yeah, Do you have one, it. Sid? Well, I love the documentary, The Matrix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like people say that's a movie. The documentary, if you watch <laughs> it from that mind space, is a whole nother experience when you start to think about coming out of The Matrix. Yeah. The Matrix is in in the sutras, right? You yeah. Know, so definitely lots, lots of yoga in the matrix, yeah. man. I also love, I mean, I could go on and we take this into a whole <laughs> right, nother, another, it's a totally different know? podcast, but yeah. I, I love, uh, in gladiator when Maximus meets with Caesar and they're already having a deep conversation. And he says right before he says, I need to, I really need to tell you something important. And he takes him over to the chess set and he says, let's have a whisper. That that by far is the best line of any movie for me. And they don't even talk about that, but it's the best line because it's like in that moment, it's important. Let's not go get elevated. Let's come down so we make sure we listen yeah. to each other. I love that line. And I think about it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a sweet uh, that's a sweet um, uh, image for sure. Yeah. Um, well, what's uh, so what's next uh, for you guys? Tell us what's going on next for you guys. What you got, Liz? <laughs> what's next? We have a lot that's coming up next. Um, starting in December, we have a teacher training, 200-hour program starting. So that's a week-long intensive, which those are always really incredible programs, huge shifts that come along for people. So um, I think that's – well, actually, before then, we have the Thanksgiving Amazing Grace Flow that Sid leads every year, which is actually my favorite class of the year. It's really powerful. Such a great way to start the day full of gratitude and Mm -hmm. lots of families come in. It's always packed and it's just a real feel good way to start the day. So that's coming up first at four warriors in Towson. And then we have the teacher training and then we also have, uh, on the Saturday after Thanksgiving, we have what's, Mm. uh, community gathering and so it's a hundred people coming to make that shift to stay better you know we put the word out that uh you know people no matter what you're going through so there's a dad that's coming uh who's on hospice and they're taking him out of hospice to bring him so i'm really excited about that to see what god brings forward for Mm -hmm. miracles for people uh and then also uh there's a couple things that are you're the first to know now outside of Liz we're we're actually going to uh on Monday I signed this contract to bring forward a radio show so I'd love to have you on it yeah and uh it's called the master in you and and so Liz will co-host a lot of those so this was our first trial and and we didn't even know (laughs) we were doing it today and then also uh there's I've been asked for years to go over to Kenya uh you know the African yoga project and and there's some guys that have come through that program and and they've been following me and and so they've asked me to come over and we've created uh we're about to launch this fundraiser called the bridge home and and that's really bridging everybody back wherever whether it's 
going all the way back to to Kenya or going to Africa or the Native American that that that's really something that that I look forward to birthing in in uh, 2019 and just to bridge home, bringing everybody back together. That sounds lovely. I love that. Um, well, uh, well, thank you guys for coming in today. I really appreciate it. This was uh, this was real special. Um, you've uh, you've been listening to the DC Yoga podcast with uh, Sid and Liz McNary. Thank you very thank much. You, yeah, you're absolutely welcome. Thanks for listening to the DC Yoga podcast. Uh, I'm Chris Parkinson. If you like what you heard today, uh, give us a like on iTunes or on SoundCloud. If you have any comments or questions, please reach out to me uh, via email, dcyogapodcast at gmail.com.